Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 10, we'll be recapping UFC 292. Then we're joined by the Ultimate Fighter season 31, lightweight champion, Mr. Kurt Hollibaugh. After that, we'll talk UFC Singapore, Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. And finally, our top five morning things. All right, let's go. Okay, so UFC 292 exceeded all expectations, I think. This was a great card, and it was capped off by a great main event, and it was capped off by coming into the fight, the people's champ coming through against all odds, getting the dub. So we're going to start off our recap with the main event, and as we said, Sean O'Malley coming in the people's champ, Sugar Sean, shocked the world, dropped Aljo, finished him he's the champ yeah um, i mean first actually uh welcome back hope you enjoyed your vacation um that pretty much locks in another 51 weeks of you not leaving so thank you thank you uh hope you enjoyed it um but yeah sean o'malley uh, i know we picked differently on this fight and everything but i know how we both felt you know both we, of our hearts exactly my heart was in sean o'malley i just didn't think he was gonna win right we, i don't think he thought he was gonna win I mean, honestly, in in my pick, I wasn't wholeheartedly confident. I thought he was going to be backpacked by uh, Sterling uh, deep into the to the championship rounds, if you will. If he could have even lasted that long, I didn't know that he had all that uh, yeah, all that injury. grappling. Yeah, the grappling injury or lack of being able to grapple um, before the fight, which you know, good for him for being able to hide it. But yeah, it was a very impressive fight. You know, first round. You know, like everybody saw, he was he was pretty cautious. He leaned on his feints, trying to just kind of manage his timing. It what's, was cr- what's crazy to me is Aljo out wrestled and out grappled Henry Cejudo, who's an Olympic gold medalist, one of the greatest uh, MMA grapplers. Yeah, that, in that weight and class he, for sure. And he couldn't he couldn't take Sean down. I know he only tried a couple times, and it was early in the fight, but it was great uh, improvement and great takedown defense by uh, Sugar Sean. And honestly, that's why he was able to knock him out because right. he had that defense. You could tell Aljo maybe was a little shocked that he wasn't able to just go in there and take him down real quick. And by the second round, he was already rushing, and he rushes in for a takedown without without any kind of uh, a lead up to it. Right. Uh, it was off of an O'Malley missed head kick. He it, he thought his he couldn't uh, O'Malley couldn't bring his if, leg down fast enough. If you so watch be able to the get slow the motion, you can takedown. see him rush in. And you can see O'Malley reacted perfect. And for a split second, you can see Aljo seeing O'Malley reacting perfect. And Aljo's like, oh, fuck. And he closes his eyes real tight right before the impact. Right before the impact. If he, if that wouldn't happen, he would have been out cold, I believe, because it was that clean of a shot. Right. He saw it a little bit, so he embraced, he embraced for it a little bit. But, man, what a performance by Sugar Sean. What do you think is next for him? I know everybody's saying uh, once that Cheeto fight, I would love to see it. You know that that's actually one of the questions I had for uh, later on in the show is is what's next for Sean? You know he is the type of champ that has kind of his pick of the litter, if you will. Yeah, he has unlimited options almost right now. Uh, I think we can easily say just because you know I want to talk about this a little later. I think we can easily say he will not be fighting Marab. Yeah, I would agree with that. So the co-main event for UFC 292 featured. 
the champion Wei Li Zhang, or Zhang Wei Li, depending on where you're from, actually, uh, versus Amanda Lemos. This was a completely one-sided affair, uh, but still pretty interesting. You know, I mean, anytime Zhang Wei Li fights, she's got to be one of the most entertaining, uh, likable uh, female fighters in the UFC. Anytime she's fighting, it's must-see TV, and she did not fail to deliver this time. Right. Even though, even though she didn't finish, you know, this one went to the cards. She, she scored a 50-43, 50-44, and 49-45. And honestly, 49-45 is kind of criminal. She won every round of that fight. Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't even argue, though, just because there's no point. Um, but no, this was a completely one-sided affair. She showed great grappling, great strength great timing it was impressive i think she's just continuing to build confidence you know since getting the belt back yeah i think when it's all said and done if she continues at the improving and how she's fighting right now she's going to go down as one of the best female fighters of all time i know she's probably already in that conversation yeah and not only one of the best but up there with one of the like you said some of the most likable female fighters up there in my opinion with uh shevchenko I don't think there's anybody that dis- dislikes Zhang Wei Li. Even Colby Covington uh, commented about it, and he was encouraging. That just shows you everybody is on her side. She's awesome. Right, absolutely. Okay, so the next fight we're going to move on to, Neil Magny, Ian Gary, and this was domination. Ian Gary, say what you want about his trash talk. He backed it up. He dominated this fight. He did it on the feet. He did it on the ground. He kicked the shit out of Neil Magny's legs. Damaged his legs early on, too, so he just had, like, a hobbled Neil Magny from the get-go, really. Yeah, and Neil Magny, uh, I mean, he kind of just sit there, stood there and took it. There was He didn't really change his game plan at all. He just kind of took a beating. Yeah, I, it's annoying when a, a fighter knows that they're going in against a striking opponent who, you know, vastly can destroy them. And all the he striking. was trying to do was tie him up in the clinch, but not do anything in the clinch. Right, and to Ian Gary's point, that's what he said he was going to do. He was just going to fight a boring fight. That's what he always does. Right. I appreciate, you know, Ian Gary being able to back it up. Um, This fight was, you know, completely one-sided, like you said. You know, a great striking performance. You know, very damaging from uh, Ian Gary to Neil Magny. I really wish I'd have just seen a finish, though. Uh, If, you know, if he's as good as he says he is... I understand we've seen finishes from him before, but he had the man hurt several occasions throughout the fight. Yeah, it seemed like he was kind of playing with his food, and then it would have been way more impressive if in the third round he beat him up the whole fight and then finished him, but he just he, he didn't have the killer instinct in this fight. But he does move to 6-0 and in the UFC, 13-0 and overall. He's definitely getting the top, top 10 guy next. Uh, I agree. He's moving up. He called out Wonderboy. Wonderboy did reportedly decline, but we'll see. Um... Yeah, Dana White said that at the, at the press conference of 292, Dana said that Wonderboy already reached out to him saying he didn't want to fight. Yeah, which is so like, wow. So we'll he, he just may have other plans. You know, you never know. Exactly. So we'll see uh, where Ian Gary goes from here. He's definitely, uh, I mean, he's probably a couple fights away from a title shot, honestly. He's entertaining. He has a, a big following. Uh, don't be surprised if within the next year, Ian Gary has a shot at the belt. All right, another short notice replacement here. We had Damone Blackshear replacing an injured Cody Garbrandt. 
it's interesting. He came off of uh, UFC Vegas 78 with the uh, third twister in UFC history, fighting just seven days later at UFC 292 versus Mario Bautista. There was a point in this fight where he was like close to setting up another twister too in the first round. Yeah, it, was, it was crazy. Kind of scary. Uh, so nothing against Blackshear here. You know, he started off strong. I honestly think the two weight cuts and, you know, fighting two fights within seven days is just what kind of pushed him over the edge. He kind of got gassed out. Uh, Batista had a dominant third round. And really from there, that's that's really all she wrote. Yeah, Blackshear, like you said, he started off strong. It looked like he, you know, he had the advantage in the fight. And then, as you said again, it seemed like he ran out of gas. And you have to assume that has a little bit to do, at least, with the weight cut. Uh, as the fight went on, he got weaker and Bautista got stronger. Bautista ended up uh, edging him out in the scorecard. Right, yeah. 29-28, 29-28, 30-27 for Bautista. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's not to say we're not wholeheartedly excited to see Bautista fight again. You know, he won his last fight off of some crazy choke, and then he cut weight again coming in here to fight. We know wholeheartedly this dude's going to be a beast. Well, Blackshear, not Batista. Both. Yeah. But Blackshear and uh, Blackshear coming on a short notice and Batista, both guys are beasts, but especially no discredit to Blackshear for losing the fight. You know, just, just a great overall performance from him. All right, so now we move on to the fight that was the main card opener. It was Marlon, Cheeto, Vera, Pedro, the young Punisher Munoz. This was a good fight, a very evenly matched fight. Uh, went to the scorecard. Uh, Cheeto won, unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. Every round was pretty close. Uh, I did score 29-28 Cheeto. Uh, I think he edged him out in the last two rounds. But, man, this was a very even, a very entertaining, and a very technical uh, fight. Yeah, absolutely. Look, on this one, Cheeto's jab kept... You know, at bay, kept him at distance. That's a strong jab. Man, that is crazy for... And he's fighting at bantamweight. You know, that's, what, 135 pounds? 135 pounds, and he w- he's rocking people with that jab. Just standing you up with a straight shot. Having a, a solid jab is, like, key to being... If you have that, you can get pretty far. Right. He And look, to Munoz's credit, he never backed down. He showed his own combos throughout, but Cheeto just showed through and through that, you know, he could evade those combos he wasn't taking damage it was a very clean fight by both very well contested throughout i don't know if you could argue that either way the judges scored it would have been like oh i'm not mad how yeah 29 28 uh munoz wouldn't have been crazy right but i think still it was i think it was a little more obvious on this one that uh cheeto won yeah and you know both guys came into this fight never being finished and watching this fight you can tell why both, all, both very technical. Uh, this one, obviously, neither one got finished still. But it was an impressive performance for Cheeto, and he might be in line for a title shot against Sugar Sean next. Right, you know, Sean wants to right that ship. He got That's his only loss is to Cheeto Vera. And it was from him getting injured, too. So Right, he wants to right the ship. He, he says it's a smart move. I agree. You know, it's a money fight. It's a big fight. That would be a huge fight. And it's a wise. striking fight. One of the it's things that O'Malley fight. wants is a striking fight. He doesn't want somebody who's just trying to piggyback him all day. Well, the UFC definitely doesn't want to throw a wrestler, as you said, at him in his first title defense to him just get taken down in a boring fight. 
this would be perfect be as you said fun entertaining striking they have a story behind it already i mean i think this is the obvious move hey it's probably time for us to go sign up for that ufc uh build your bracket thing yeah this one's matchups just, yeah this one's just begging for us to make it i think on this fight i probably showed more emotion than chris weidman which is crazy to me uh he fought brad tavares and he came out with an absolutely relentless strategy of just tearing apart chris weidman's legs um and just in case you weren't aware chris weidman came back from almost two full years or three full years of not fighting because he broke his leg clean in half yeah over uh over two years he last fought in april of 2021 there you go so broke his leg clean in half fighting uriah hall almost 10 years to the day after anderson silva broke his leg on chris weidman's leg so just a crazy turn of events and then you got brad tavares coming in and just tearing this dude's leg apart yeah and you know for brad tavares watching the fight i think we were both like upset about brad tavares but after taking a little step back he did what he had to do he took the path of least resistance this is a cutthroat business you gotta do what you gotta do you can't really blame him uh he's on a two-fight losing streak coming in right look at, at and to what you're saying like at any point he could get cut i get it any point he got to do what he had to do it just hurts with a, such a likable guy like weidman it hurt chris weidman he to his credit he kind of he knew he t he knew but he toughed it out through he was you could tell about halfway through the fight he was just determined to not i'm not gonna lose. make it to the end of the car i'm right. gonna make it to the scorecards right i'm not losing by tko via leg kick i think at one point he uh tavares kicked him in the legs it was late probably in the third round and he kind of looked at him and pointed at him like do it again but it was just one of those things where it was at that point in his mind the he had he pushed past all the pain he pushed past there was all nothing the pain. left because if you notice after the fight he he couldn't walk yeah he couldn't walk he was in a wheelchair after the fight right um and look all around good guy you know we don't want to say anything bad about brad tavares like you said the guy's on the verge of getting cut in the ufc with two losses i get it in the moment i'm emotional it was tough to see though it was tough to see holy hell all right so the next fight we're going to talk about gregory robocop rodriguez dennis Tolulin, and robocop kind of came in and dominated he got the finish inside uh inside two minutes uh, he was coming off of a loss. So this was a nice way for him to rebound, get back into the win column. Uh, overall, very impressive performance from Rodriguez. This was a fight that was supposed to happen, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. Got postponed now. Um, and Rodriguez, RoboCop, he took he, advantage of the postponement. He made himself look good and look good in this fight. Right. Yeah. This one ended, like you said, under two minutes. It's pretty dominant showing. Um, you know, we were actually talking to uh, Dennis Tolulin this past week. We've been playing a little bit of phone tag, but uh, we should be interviewing him in the next couple days. So look out for that on an episode in the next couple weeks. Just we got to line him down. You know, he's Russian, so it's a little bit hard kind of getting the schedules oriented. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good fight for uh, Rodriguez, RoboCop. I like to see what he's doing. I'm interested to uh, see where Tolulin goes as well because he's not a bad fighter. He's not a bad fighter. He's just kind of had a tough... Uh, and he's a rare Russian kickboxer. Tough go of things. Um, At least in the UFC. Well, you got Peter Yan. Right, but different, like big weight class difference. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see where both of these guys go from there. Um, All right. So the last fight we'll cover for UFC 292 was the lightweight finale of the ultimate fighter 
season 31. That would be Kurt Hollibaugh versus Austin Hubbard. What'd you think about this fight? Well, first, shout out Kurt Hollibaugh, uh, Louisiana native. Shout out. Shout out. Uh, so the first round, it was pretty evenly matched, honestly. I would give the slight... Like the 10, slight, slight advantage to Hubbard, but it probably could have gone either way. But second round, Hollaball just kind of, he turned the switch on. He got the takedown. He got his back, and he got the submission. It was beautiful to see. Uh, so this was actually his first UFC win, so congrats to him. So it's an awesome accomplishment. Right. Second stint in the UFC. Well, actually, with this uh, win, his first win in the UFC now, he was awarded the contract and the trophy. And that was also his 20th career pro win, so another congrats to Kurt. Right, big milestone there. A uh, couple good things with the fight here. Uh, first round, like you said, it was evenly matched. You know, they kind of, you know, they were former teammates, I think you were telling me before. Well, they were uh, teammates in the Ultimate Fighter. They're both Team Chandler. Right, uh, but they switched. Who switched at the end? I don't think either one of them switched. Oh, it was uh, the Brad Katona switch. Yeah, I believe they, well, I think Team Chandler was winning so much they had the, because it was like the first seven fights of the... of the Right, it was 0-7 well, for McGregor. And then in McGregor's defense, Chandler had the vets, all the veterans. It was veterans against uh, not... It was so guys kind of a poor, looking for their second UFC stint Right, against poor guys. game plan from uh, kind of the management of the TV yeah, show. Yeah, so it was like legit guys right on the border, UFC and not versus guys that you don't know where they're at. Yeah, so that's a tough case for, for a lot of... For the McGregor team. But anyway, um, you know, with Hollaball... You know, kind of losing the first round a little bit. He came back with a lot of poise in the second round. He moved through the ground with his transitions very well. And like you said, took the back of, of Hubbard, got the triangle choke, you know, with, with more transitions to get there. I mean, he's a guy that's been doing jujitsu for a long time, and you could tell in this fight. Um, just a great finish from him. Um, he called out Patty Pimblett after the fight. Right. Which, and listen, honestly, I would love to see that fight. So that would be kind of cool because couple reasons. We actually uh, we interviewed Kurt Hollaball today, so that's coming up next. And we promised on the last Patty fight, or the last time we talked about Patty on the podcast, we promised an 8,000-calorie meal or 8,000-calorie day for each of us on his next fight. So if he fights the guy we just interviewed, it's kind of icing on the cake. It is kind of icing on the cake, but... I'm not excited to I'm do that anymore. I'm off the team Patty if that happens, because I'm all... Yeah, you got to go I'm for the, the, home, the homeboy, if you will. Louisiana guy, nice enough to give us our first interview. Kurt's our guy now. Right. So look out. Kurt Hollibaugh just won his UFC contract with his win over Austin Hubbard. And then next on the podcast, we're going to check out our interview with Kurt Hollaball, but I want to apologize first and foremost. I forgot to hit the record button like 30 seconds in. So we missed like the, the basically the first 30 seconds of him telling us how heavy the trophy was. How heavy and slippery the tough trophy was. Um, but outside of that, it's a good interview. Check it out now. And let's get in it. My current coach at, at this time that I've been with ever since day one, Raphael Elwinger was a black belt from Brazil. He was a jiu-jitsu coach there. And uh, I started training with him, man. And we started fighting amateur, slowly went pro and worked our way up. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, like a life full of it. Um, 
honestly, so you've been on since Power the, Rangers. Uh, <laughs> you've been there since the the beginning, almost UFC fan at least. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. From, I mean, back from the Hoist Gracie. I mean, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to like watching those fights because I was I was a kid, but I remember. Um, you know, my parents would go to the Blockbusters back when Blockbuster was a thing. And I don't even know if you guys remember Blockbuster, but. Oh, yeah. I think know. we caught the tail end. <laughs> yeah. So that's back before the UFC was actually on TV. You couldn't really watch it on TV or anything before they hit pay-per-view. You have to just once the fights happen, you know, a week or two afterwards, you can go rent them at Blockbuster. And uh, I, I remember, remember seeing those aisles. So, yeah. That's awesome, that's man. Oh. So going back to the tough, how was it working with somebody like Michael Chandler as your coach? Did you obviously with a short amount of time period? I'm not sure if you were able to learn a lot of technique or anything, but probably more mentality. What did you learn from Mike? Um, you know, I learned a lot, man. Like Mike's such a great coach, whether he he likes being a coach or not. You know, he says uh, coach is not for him, but he's definitely a damn good coach. I can tell you that. And uh, yeah, man, I actually I did learn a lot from Mike. You know, the, one of the main reasons I wanted to be on Mike's team. Because I wanted to, I wanted to get more up to speed on wrestling for MMA, and uh, I felt like he does a very good job at it, and he did a very good job teaching that. Yeah, it kind of showed out with that victory, right? Yeah, man. I and I knew Austin's tough, man. I spent a lot of time with Austin. Very good guy, good friend of mine. You know, still even after this fight, but uh, you know, I knew how tough Austin was, and, and he's not a small lightweight either. I might be on a little bit smaller side for the lightweight division, right? But he's a legit lightweight man. He's big, he's strong, and he can wrestle. And I felt like I was wrestling just fine with him. Yeah, speaking it looked the, like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, speaking of the lightweight division, you know, that that's kind of historically just been, you know, one of the toughest divisions to get into you know, and winning the ultimate fighter, you're kind of just being tossed right into the mix, you know, with, you know, not obviously you have the preparation going in winning the ultimate fighter, but, you know, where do you think that's going to help you stack up with all the other people in the lightweight division? Um, Honestly, man, I really think that I stack up well with everybody. You know, of course, uh, Makachev being uh, the biggest threat to everybody just because how good he really is. But, um. I don't know, man. I, I think I stack up well with everybody. You know, um, we'll just see how that goes. We'll just see who the UFC gives me. Hopefully they give me somebody that matches up well with my style because what I've been telling everybody, like, you know, you're not going to get an easy fight in the UFC. Those guys are in the UFC for a reason. But you do get guys that maybe match up well with your style. And um, for that reason, it's not an easy fight, but it's a good fight for you. Right? Yeah, I got okay. you. Um so you called out Patty Pimblett after your fight. I think we both me and Alex would love to see that fight. Uh, it'd be good for your uh, notoriety. He's a you know he has a big following and everything. Uh, if you were to get that fight, when do you think when do you think that would happen? When are so, you ready um, to fight? I mean, I can fight tomorrow. I, I literally took no damage in the fight, no injuries in the fight. You know, um, of course, I'm a little sore and I still got a few things healing up from training camp. Right. Maybe maybe I got a few injuries from from the training camp. I had a really hard training camp, but um, realistically, I was since we went through the show, man, that was fighting twice in 10 days, being there for six weeks, training every day, two times a day. Um, and then 
the whole lead up and the preparation for the finals, training every day, sometimes two times a day. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit of a break and hoping that maybe December, you know, everybody was hoping Connor and Chandler was going to fight on that December 16th card. Um, so I was kind of targeting that card, kind of get on the card with those guys. Whether they fight on the card or not, I think that's a good date for me, December 16th. If not, maybe the first of the year. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds great. Yeah, December, it looks like they're actually trying to kind of line up those as we speak. Um, outside of the UFC, you know, a little bit. You, you like other sports? You like football at all? Oh, absolutely, man. Look, this couldn't have fell out at the perfect timing because now, you know, I get a little break. And that's one of the main reasons I didn't want to take a fight next month just because, man, NFL is about to kick off the season. I'm a huge Saints fan. I play a lot Let's of fantasy go. football. So, yeah, man, I'm excited for this football season. And I get a little break now. I, you know, all this weight's lifted off my shoulders. And I sit back, enjoy being an ultimate fighter winner and, and watching this year's football season. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hey, what do you think your uh, your favorite, you know, post-weigh-in meal is? Favorite you post-weigh-in? Know, yeah, you, do, you got that freedom to kind of just – you know, put put back on the pound, you know, start start yeah, beefing yeah. up, getting ready to fight. What do you want to put in first? Man, I love a good Alfredo pasta. Chicken or shrimp or a Cajun Alfredo pasta is always my favorite. Okay. That's fair. It's hard to go wrong with that. You like to good fish? Carbs. Need those good carbs back in your body. Um, oh, yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I don't eat bad. Like, back in my earlier days, soon as yeah. I'm done with man, I, I would freaking eat anything. I would eat bad. Didn't matter. Now I, I'm still after my diet or after my weigh-ins, I still stay on my diet. I still eat clean. And, uh, you know, I felt like that's definitely helped me over the last couple of fights. And I'm sure it's a lot easier. To, uh, I'm sure it's a lot easier to stay in shape and everything. If you just kind of keep clean eating up. Yeah. Sure. Never go too crazy. Yeah. I and mean, that's what I tell my guys. That just look, man, you're like, you just dieted for the last six weeks. What's one more day? Just keep keep on your diet. You don't need to go put no bad stuff in your body. Yeah, that's fair. You can always find good, you know, good tasting, healthy food at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now, outside, you know, once, maybe not even once your uh, MMA career is done, but like in tandem with it, you know, what, what do you want to do outside of MMA? You know, a lot of people – you know, like yourself, you, you kind of have dual responsibilities going on. You know, half of your life's a fighter. Half of yourself is trying to figure out how to make money, you know, once you're not fighting. You know, what, what are your thoughts? What do you want to do outside of the MMA? So uh, me and my wife, we actually own two Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mixed martial arts schools. Um, and, you know, for the last couple of years, we've been putting a lot of work, a lot of time in our gyms, growing our gyms. Right now, they're doing really well. We have a lot of students. I have a lot of fighters out of my gym, amateur fighters, professional fighters. Um, you know, my kids train every day. My son fights. So um, I just put a lot of time in to training all those guys, man. You know, I'm making sure they're ready for their fights they have coming up. And, uh, you know, just running my gyms and keep on growing my gyms. Are they in uh, Denham Springs? So I got one gym in Amit, Louisiana, and okay. I moved to Franklinton, Louisiana a few years ago whenever uh, I actually bought 
the gym in Frankleton from my head coach, Raphael. Uh, I just took over one of his one of his gyms. He sold it to me, and I decided to move out to Frankleton, Louisiana, for the school systems for my kids. So me and my wife found a house, bought it, and we've been steady, putting a lot of time, a lot of effort into that Frankleton location and, and growing it. That's awesome, man. We're we're both uh, based out of Lafayette, so we're, we're not too far okay. from you. A couple hours yeah, yeah. from. Yep. So, um, with that. What do you think is the like most challenging thing about being a professional fighter, UFC fighter, just professional, you know, you're talking to kids, teaching kids, you know, what's one of those things that, you know, you tell them to help push them forward when they're facing their adversities. Just make sure and keep that motivation. You know, you got to have the motivation. You got to have the drive. Um, this is something that you absolutely 100% have to train for. If you got, if you have something coming up, man, you know, you got to put the time, you got to put the effort into it. You can't just sit back and wait for that time to come and not train. So that, that's one of the biggest things. And even if you don't have time to train, you got to find the time to train. You got to do everything you can to make sure 100% you're ready and in shape and ready to fight. I guess that translates to translates to other walks of life as well. You know, not just fighting, but, you know, being prepared for everything you're going out to do on you know, whether it's an interview with a fighter or going out and fighting somebody. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Well, look, we don't want to, uh, you know, take up too, too much time. I know you're busy. You want to go celebrate, enjoy your stuff. Also, you know, we're trying to knock out our first interview at the same time. <laughs> uh, but we want to thank you for coming on, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We hope to see you, you know, crush some people in the UFC, uh, respectfully, of course. And uh, enjoy that victory, brother. Yeah, man, for sure. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. I'm glad I'm your first guy. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's do it again. Let's do it, man. Who dat? Who dat? Let's go. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, man, thank you, guys. All right, so to recap, I guess, our uh, stats from this past week and the season, uh, it's a little bit of good news. Both of us went 2-1 and one on bets. Uh, we both had Gregory Rodriguez versus Den Dennis Tolulin under. Um, and then I had Sean O'Malley money line. I won that one. We both lost Chris M Weidman money line. And what'd you have for your third win? Yeah, my uh, third bet, my second win was Sorry, the yeah. over Cheeto uh, versus Munoz fight. So I, I won that one. That one went to the uh, scorecards. Nice. So for the season on bets, Christian, that brings you to 18 and 9, a perfect 67%. Uh, 66 and 66 continued if you want to be my uh, seventh grade math teacher. I'll take it. I continue my two and one uh, average. Right. Uh, and for me, I uh, went two and one as well 15, 11, and one. I got that little fake loss at the end there. 56% betting. I'm still up overall. It just sucks with, you know, I had a bad week last week. And, you know, I just got to come up from there. So this week I'm hoping to be better. It happens, brother. There's a long there's a long time left to the end of the year. You're right. And moving on to the picks, Christian went 5-3, and three, getting, you know, a good bit right, except Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I had Aljo, um, Weidman, and Hubbard. Those are my three losses. Honestly... Considering we interviewed uh, Kurt Hollibaugh, I'm happy with I got that one wrong. And yeah, considering I love Sean O'Malley and he won, he beat Aljo, I'm happy I got that one wrong. So I'm cool with it. Five and three, I'll take it. 
Right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I went six and two last week. Uh, that's, you know, that, that's been kind of what I've done more more than less this season so far is just done a, a little bit better than you in picks, and you've just done a little bit better than me in bets. So if we can kind of merge those brains together, we'll be doing good. Um, I only got Austin Hubbard wrong. I had him to win, but once again, I'm kind of happy I got that wrong with uh, with the our interviewee that y'all just listened to, Kurt Hollibaugh. Um, and then I also got Chris Weidman, you know, wrong as well. That moves Christian to a 37 and 25, 37 wins, 25 losses on the season for a 60% average, and moves me to 43-19 for a 69% average. But nice. We had one little thing we threw in last week. That was, we had Chat GPT pick the picks. So how do you think he did, or it did, this past week, Christian? I'm pretty sure he did about as well as we did, if I had to guess. Right. Five uh, and three, six and two, something like that. Right. Well, it picked Garbrandt, but Garbrandt pulled for injury, so I didn't want to count it against it. And also didn't Fair enough. redo anything. Uh, so Chat GPT went four and two. It also didn't do uh, the Ultimate Fighter Katana, because when we were messing with everything... That fight wasn't actually finalized, um, but it went four and two. It only got, um, it had Sterling winning, and it had what was it? Was it Chris Weidman winning? I think it was Chris Weidman. It's, yeah, I think uh, so. Sterling and Weidman winning. So we which, all had Weidman. Yeah, you know, kind of fan favorite, the All American Chris Weidman. Gotta love him. That's my boy. But yeah, that's what we're gonna be featuring, you know, week to week now is Chat GPT picks. Found a way to make him make the AI pick games. Uh, if it gets good enough, we'll start betting with it. You know, screw it. All right, so let's move on to our preview of UFC Fight Night in Singapore this weekend. Uh, we're going to cover the whole main card, uh, all six fights. So the first fight we're going to cover, Junior Taffa, the Juggernaut. Taking on Parker Porter. What do you think about this fight, Alex? So first thing, I need to get better at saying Parker Porter because I keep wanting to say Parker Porker. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's a tongue twister. And he is not a porker. He's a fighter. He's uh, in shape and everything. Uh, this is, a, well, this is a heavyweight fight, so he may not be in shape. Uh, but he may be a porker, actually. He, he, may, he may have a new nickname coming in. You never know. So anyway, uh, here, you know, Porter lost to Tafa's older brother. Uh, yeah, first, first round, round knockout. First, like, minute 06. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Obviously, you know what the juggernaut wants to do to him. Trying to keep it in the family. Right. Uh, four and one. You know, four KOs for Tafa. One decision loss. So Yeah, 0 and 1 in the UFC. He came in uh, before the UFC. All first round knockouts except for one. It was a second round knockout. First fight in the UFC. He went to the scorecard and lost. So he's trying to... Uh, He's trying to step up to the new level of competition. Uh, Parker Porter, he's been in the UFC for a while. Four and three in the UFC. He does. He's 38 years old compared to 26. So it's a huge, huge age advantage. Pretty big uh, experience advantage. But Porter's kind of been up and down in his UFC career. I'm taking Junior Taffa. I think, as we talked about earlier, he keeps it in the family. It's probably not in the first minute of six, but I think he gets the finish. Junior Taffa is my pick, the juggernaut. Okay, so hear me out here. My first bet 
and I want to elaborate on it, which is why I say hear me out. My first bet is going to be Junior Tafa money line at minus 162. I've already locked it in. Um, the main reason being, I think the UFC is not giving him, but because he's on his second fight in the UFC, he's going to be adjusted to that camp, adjusted to the level of play here. And I think he's going to have access to a better camp, you know, just kind of learning more about the UFC in that time since his loss. So I think Justin Taffa wins, or Junior Taffa, sorry, not his older brother. I think Junior Taffa wins here. Just like Justin Taffa. Just like Parker Justin Porter. Taffa against Parker Porker Porter. Money line, first bet of the night. Let's do it. So we're opening the next fight with two fighters, two female fighters who show a good bit of creativity, unlike the name of the arena they're fighting in. Do you know the name of it, Christian? Isn't it like Outdoor Singapore Arena or something? It's the Indoor Singapore Arena. So close. Good job. Or Singapore Indoor Stadium. Arena. Yeah. So very poor choice of name there. I think uh, it's just lost. It probably sounds better in... Uh, translation? There's the language, yeah. Maybe so. So we have Aaron Cold-Blooded Blanchfield versus Talia Santos in a flyweight bout in the women's division at 125 pounds. 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 So it features, uh, you know, Blanchfield, 11-1, two KOs, four subs, five decisions, losing only once by decision. Yeah, eight straight wins. She's 5-0 and in the UFC, and her last three wins are all finishes. So she... Different types of submissions. Different are types those. of submissions. So she, she's been showing, as you said, creativity. I believe the two wins before that were decisions, but before that she even had a couple different things, like a KO and a couple submissions before those. So she can really show anything. She's evolving. Right. She's only 24 years old. It's crazy to think. Talia Santos, you know, not to say she's just going to get demolished in her own right. She's 19-2, and two, winning 10 times by KO, three times by submission, six times by decision, showing that she's not just being taken down. She's not just being, you know, getting destroyed out there on the field. Yeah, her last fight, it was a while ago. It was in June of 2022, so she's taken a little bit off. Uh, she lost a split decision to Shevchenko for the belt, Valentina. Uh, and, listen, and honestly, brother. a lot of people had Santos winning the fight. But outside of that, listen, if you're fighting someone like Shevchenko and you lose, that's not a stain on your record. If well, you beat she, Shevchenko, she that's... She stood toe-to-toe at the very least. Right. You, she won, Shevchenko won by split decision. Split decision. So, it's just so, to say, so there, there was a judge that showed her winning. There was a crowd that felt she won. So, Santos, 4-2 and two in the UFC with that, that close loss. Uh, she's kind of been, I wouldn't say up and down, but that was... Honestly, it's weird to say, but that loss against Shevchenko might have been one of her better... Like better she, showings better in the showings. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing is neither of these fighters have ever been finished. Uh, so I'm taking that into account uh, when I'm looking at my bets and picks tonight. So I'm taking Blanchfield with, uh, my, with the pick for the fight. My first bet, I'm so confident, is Blanchfield money line. And my second bet is also going to be on this fight. Wow. Going back to that stat I just had, neither fighter ever been finished. Unprecedented. I'm going the over two and a half rounds in this fight as my second bet. So two fights, so yeah, two Aaron, bets, one fight. Aaron Blanchfield money line. Correct. And then Aaron Blanchfield, Talia Santos over two and a half rounds. Correct. For your two bets in one, not a parlay. Not a parlay. We do, do not f- condone parlays on this podcast. They typically don't win. These are my first two of my three bets. 
uh, I think this is honestly going to be a, one of the more entertaining fights in the card. Yeah, this, this is going to be this is going to be very interesting. It this is going to be a tough one to score. You know, I don't I don't know who's going to win. Obviously, we don't know who's going to win. I don't know how they're going to win. I do know that Santos has recently been favored by decisions. You know, one outside of Shevchenko, she's won a few fights in the row previous to that by decision. Well, her last win is a rear naked choke. But I still think Aaron Blanchfield has what it takes. I think she's going to win. I think she's going to progress forward at 24. I think she has what it takes. I don't have any bets on this one. Just a pick. Aaron Blanchfield, lock it in. All right, so the next fight we're going to take a look at. Rinya Nakamura, the hybrid, taking on Fernie Garcia. Uh, you mean Fernando? Fernando. Nakamura, 1-0 in the UFC. He's a big-time prospect. There's a lot of hype behind this guy. He's 7-0. Uh, he's a young guy. He's exciting. He does come in also with three straight first-round finishes. So he's been on a tear lately, right? He's finished uh, six. He's seven and zero. Oh. He's finished six out of seven and seven of those five KOs, one submission, one decision. I think he does the same here. You know, I, I think this doesn't go to the scorecards. And I don't know how something. he wins. Fernie's never been finished. He's he's ten and three overall. He is zero and two in the UFC, but he's never been finished. So you think you think Nakamura comes in and he gets the finish, right? So I think they they've faced a little. You know, kind of different starts in their UFC career. You know, Nakamura has obviously gone perfect. You know, in his whole career, not a, not only the UFC, whereas Garcia has dropped. You know, his last couple fights, his last his few only fights, two UFC fights, right? Everything in the UFC, all by decision. I'll add. Now, to your point, he hasn't been finished, but in somebody who's been finishing people in the first round, I'm confident in my pick right here being Rinya Nakamura, the hybrid. But I'm also confident in placing my second bet of the night, the under on the fight, Rinya Nakamura versus Fernie Garcia, under two and a half rounds. Yeah, I'm probably going to agree with you. I'm taking Nakamura for sure as my pick. I don't have a bet on the fight, but I agree. I think he does actually finish uh, Garcia. Moving him to a perfect 8-0. and Moving on to our next fight, we're going to take a look at Giga Ninja Chikadze in the featherweight division at 145 pounds versus Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres. Among everything else, I love Bruce Leroy as a nickname. I can't get over that one. It's not a bad nickname. I don't love it as much as you, though. He also kind of looks to me like Che Darina. Yeah, he gives off that vibe. He looks like he'd be, with a nickname like Bruce Leroy and looking like Che Durena, he looks like a fun guy. I want to meet him. You're probably right about that. We might slide in his DMs this week. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try. So, look, Chikadze here is trying to come off a loss here. His last fight was a while ago. When was it? It was January 2022, and that was his first loss in the UFC. He was 7-0 before that, so 7-1 now. Against Calvin Cater. So, with He's taking a long time off. I know a lot of guys do take a long time off after their first loss, but this is exceptionally long. It's been over a year and a half. Right. Look, he often KOs his opponent, so maybe maybe he was just looking, you know, to figure out what happened to him 
You know, what, what caused him to lose his first fight in the UFC? But a year and a half is a long time. You, you have to think if ring rust is going to, uh, or octagon rust is going to uh, come into play in this fight. He's taking on Casares, who he's a pretty hot fighter. He's won seven out of his last eight, including his last two. He can do it on his feet. He can do it on the ground. He can go to the scorecard and win, which is honestly what he does most of the time. I think this is going to be... Uh, Chikotse is a pretty heavy favorite. I think he's like minus 250 the last I saw. Yeah, something around there. Uh, but I think it's going to be closer than that. But I do have Chikotse uh, getting the win. He's my pick for the fight. So, while Caceres can win in multiple ways, I got to ask. I mean, he's 21 and 13, right? Which means, you know, obviously he's not comfortable with losing. But he's faced, you know, quite a few losses. He's won seven times by submission, but he's also lost seven times by submission. Is it wise for him at this point to kind of lean towards going on the ground when at this, you know, he's kind of got a 50-50 shot of losing it? I don't think you think about it like that. That's his whole career. He's uh, 35 years old, so he goes in phases, I'm sure. And you got to take the fight how you can get it. Now, in the same alternative to his advantage with those submission angles... Chikadze's only won once by submission, but he's also lost once by submission. So in that same breath, could it be a good thing for Caceres to take the fight to the ground? Uh, it probably is because I don't think he wants to deal with uh, Chikadze on the feet. And, we've and also, that's why I'm picking Chikadze to win the fight. Right. We also have the proof here with the uh, nine KOs, you know, often, often KOing his opponents. I have to agree. I think Giga Chikadze wins the fight. Probably by KO. All right, so let's move on to the co-main event. Uh, Anthony Lionheart-Smith rematching Ryan Superman Spawn. These two fought two years ago, September uh, 21. Anthony Smith won by a first-round rear naked choke. So it is kind of uh, a weird thing that they're doing this rematch. It is kind of an even fight, but you wouldn't say they it needed a rematch, but here we are. Uh, Anthony Smith is coming off two straight losses. His last win, in fact, was two years ago against Ryan Spawn. So he's been up and down lately, uh, 35 years old. Taking on Ryan's Superman Spawn, who comes in. This is a crazy stat I saw about him. Last six fights, all first-round finishes. He's three wins, three losses in those fights. Jesus. So his fights are chaotic, and they happen quick, and a lot happens. Man, comes out swinging but gets caught half the time, huh? Caught, choked, however, which way. And you said first round? First round, six straight fights, three wins, three losses. Jesus. All right. So listen, I got Anthony Smith, 36 wins, 18 losses. His wins, he has 19 KOs, 14 subs, two decisions, one other. You know what I saw on the other fight was just other, N.A., one win in a so i don't know what that is it was yeah old, i though. saw that too but i didn't look into it so i'm not sure what happened yeah but i just can't mention it because i got stat corrector over here if i don't say it he's gonna say it so here we go i was waiting for you to miss that uh and then losses 10 ko's four subs four decisions facing like you said ryan superman spawn 21 and 8 six ko's 12 subs three decisions for victories three ko losses three sub losses and two decision losses this one's hard, man. It, it's tough because I see Anthony Smith all the time. He's a likable guy in like 90% of the situations I see him in. But I think that's most of the time just him being a commenter, you know, practicing his lines, you know, kind of knowing what he has to talk about it beforehand. 
Yeah, I don't know if he still has it for the top competition in the UFC. And that's not to say that Ryan Spawn's the guy that's going to upset that balance. Yeah, I think this is a pretty even fight. Both guys are kind of in the same place, but they're not really... Right, they're 8 you... and 10 ranked respectively. You know, but I Anthony think it's Smith. a weak division, and you wouldn't say they're serious title contenders, either one of them. Right, with uh, a victory here, I think one's going to be going up, the other's going to be going down. You know, the other's going to be not getting a title shot by any standpoint, but going to be going towards a path and this, where he could see one eventually. Despite their first fight, and, you know, I can't really tell you why. I just got a feeling, though. I think Ryan Spahn is going to win this fight. Uh, I think he avenges his loss to Anthony Smith. He definitely doesn't get choked out in the first round, which because I said that, he probably will get choked out in the first round. That's fine. But my pick, Ryan Superman Spahn, uh, I think it's a close fight. And I actually, actually have my third bet. You son of a bitch. That I forgot about. I have the under in this fight. Oh, the under? The under. You the think Smith's going to get caught? I think I'm going to play into that six straight first-round finishes. I think it's going to be seven, and I think he he, he actually takes the three. finish this He takes time. the finishes. Well, he's—don't say actually like he hasn't. Just well, 50% yeah, I'm of saying the three time. and three. Like, it's think, a toss-up. I think the coin flips in his favor this time. He gets the uh, first-round finish. Ryan's fine. Hey, before I tell you mine, I just want to know. If, you know, in, in a coin flip situation, do you pick heads or tails? What kind of guy are you? Despite the age-old adage, I'm a heads guy. Yeah, I like me some heads, too. Uh, anyway, I pick, and my third bet of the night as well, well, same, not the same bet, but same fight. I actually pick Ryan Spawn as the winner. My third bet is Ryan Spawn Moneyline. Well, there we go. We're on the same page, then. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think we're going good here. I thought for sure you were picking Anthony Smith, but I... I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think the the finishes are going to come through here, and I think Ryan Spahn's going to win by not decision. And to finish off UFC Singapore, we have the main event, Max Blessed Holloway in the featherweight division at 145 pounds versus Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. That's probably what we should just refer to him as because that's what everybody else does. Yeah, he's the Korean zombie. We all know who we're talking about. Just got to put some respect on his actual name, though, because I don't I know what he wants. Some of the coolest merch, by the way, if you ever get a chance to look at that. I, you, you told me that earlier. I need to check it out. We have Max Holloway versus the Korean zombie. Max Holloway's 24-7. and seven. He's got 10... I'm sorry, 10 KO victories, 2 subs, 12 decisions, 1 submission loss, 6 decision losses. Look... In my opinion, Max Holloway is one of the goats. He's beside. If Volk would have never came along, he's the best 145 featherweight ever. And to his credit, as we've all seen him say against Calvin Cater, one of the best boxers in the division ever, if not that's the still one of the most impressive performances. Looking at the commentary, talking to them while also outboxing Calvin Cater. Man, that was crazy stuff. I. I don't ever want to see Max Holloway retire, but when he does, I cannot wait to see his exhibition boxing bouts. Oh, yeah. He's one of my favorite fighters ever. Uh, not only the way he fights, but like his attitude. He's just a cool-ass dude. Right. I don't think anybody dislikes Even Volk. No, it's and, all you, you, you win those fights with respect every time. Yeah, like he's a cool-ass dude. And, and then we move same on. thing you can say about Korean Zombie. Everybody loves this dude. Uh, in fact, when they booked this fight, a lot of fans were upset because they felt like it was unfair to Zombie kind of just giving him a sacrificial lamb although they both wanted the fight right 
Because zombies been they both been around forever and they've never fought. So it's crazy to think that they've both been around forever. And Max Holloway's what thirty one. He's thirty one. That's nuts. That is crazy. So he still has because I felt like he was forty. What like six weeks ago? I think I told you he was thirty eight. Yeah, he no, he hit his prime when he was like seventeen, twenty seven. I feel like seventeen. Oh. So anyway, uh, the Korean Zombie seventeen and seven wins or six KO wins, eight sub wins, three decision wins. Losing four times by KO and three times by decision. Listen, Holloway here, since 2019, he's lost, of course, we know, three times to Volk and once to Poirier, moving up to lightweight to fight him there. None of that's a stain on him. My biggest question is, does the Korean zombie rise from the dead here? Or do we stay blessed with Max Holloway? We're staying blessed. I mean, how many times have you seen the next guy Max Holloway's fighting. They say he's going to be the next guy. He's coming. Max Holloway's on his way down. He keeps losing the Volk, and then he just keep, he dominates him. He did it to Calvin Cater. He did it to Yair Rodriguez. He did it to Arnold Allen. I think he's going to do it again, except this time he's not facing an up-and-coming guy. He's facing a guy that's already kind of on a no vet. offense to zombie, but he's a vet, but he's, on, he's not in the prime of his career. Right. So I think Holloway, this is going to be a master class by him. I think he's going to... Outbox zombie. Uh, I think it goes the distance, but I could see like fourth, fifth round where it's just TKO with so many punches, so much damage that they like throw in the towel or something. But I have Max Holloway winning the fight. I think we stay blessed. I think he's going to put pressure on where do we think about a fourth fight even though he lost three times a Volk? Because who else is Volk going to fight? And he beats everybody else, literally. And even even in the, the fights where... You know, Holloway's lost three times to Volk. It's still impressive outings. Yeah, I would say the last one, Volk kind of, I wouldn't say dominated, but kind of dominated. But He's the first two man. were very close. Second one, arguably, people say Max Holloway won. Uh, and yeah, Volk's kind of a different guy now. He kind of took a whole nother step up. But Max, I mean, he's great. He's blessed. He gets the win. I agree. Max Holloway for the win. Let's lock in those picks for USC Singapore. And we'll move on from there. So to give a little highlight, we just finished talking about uh, our preview for UFC Singapore, breaking down our picks, our bets for the week. Want to add in one little thing. Uh, we had chat GPT pick for the second week in a row. They went four and two last week. Uh, but here are the chat GPT picks for UFC Singapore's main card. They have Junior Tafa, Aaron Blanchfield, Rinya Nakamura, Giga Chikadze, Anthony Smith, and Max Holloway. Lock those in for ChatGPT. Comment who you think is going to win below. And let's go. All right, so let's move on to the top five this week. Uh, Our theme this week we're taking into account the time of this UFC card. Since it's in Singapore, there's a huge time difference. So in Central Time, where we live, the prelims start at 4 a.m. The main card starts at 7 a.m. So that, I think, is dead in the middle of the morning. So that's our theme this week. Our theme this week, top five morning things. This is another broad subject. It can be a lot of things. 
we didn't give any kind of hints or instructions going in. We just said morning things and we kind of just went from there. So our list may be totally different. They may be pretty similar. If Which, I recall, I don't even I don't even think I responded to your text. Yeah, I just made my list hoping you uh, made your list. Then I was so busy when you said like when you when you told me what the top because I I mean you usually have pretty good ideas, so I was like yeah fuck it whatever and then I just got busy and I forgot to text you back and I then understand. when I saw it I was like I guess we're doing this cool yeah I understood that as a yes oh uh, yeah I guess no complaint means we're going for it. But let's hop in. What's your number five? You, you'll start us off. Top five favorite morning things, number five. All right. So my work schedule is kind of weird. Um, outside of Mondays, I don't go into work until 10 a.m. every day. So I, I'm kind of weird with that. Like my mornings are, are pretty much usually open. But my number five morning thing is going to be just hanging out. Uh, whether that's like waking up, like I don't set an alarm most days. Um, so I just, I'm able to just wake up whenever I wake up and I sit in my bed, I read a chapter of a book, you know, whatever I do, it's just, I kind of hang out in the morning. I lazily shower, eat breakfast, whatever, just hanging out. My number five. That's a great pick. Nothing worse in the morning than having to rush. So having the exact opposite of that has to be one of the best things right and we both logically. worked the same previous job that that i had so we were rushing every morning right we're trying to get there to beat the people there just so we you know have an opportunity to to get the fresh coffee it was it was crazy okay so my number five it's a thing that is a treat it's a uh privilege it's very fun to do just because of the price and the way things are right now we don't get to do it a lot but my number five is an early morning tea time, early morning golf. It's so fun. It's a great way to start your day. You're outside. You're having fun. You are kind of frustrated because we suck at golf, but I would st- you would still rather be doing that than pretty much anything else. You get done. If you get a good enough tea time, you're done like an hour before lunchtime. Right. Like you got to go wait in line to to wait for the place to open for lunch. I I wholeheartedly agree. I love a morning golf. An early morning golf is great. It gives you a reason to wake up. It's kind of one of those things that wakes you. You're so excited for it. Even if you're bad at golf, you're so excited for it. It's like a Christmas morning for an adult. It's like Christmas morning or like when you had a field trip in school and you were excited. Right. You can't sleep the night before. You wake up before your alarm the, alarm the morning of. You're excited. And like you said, even though we're kind of mad when we get out there because we're terrible at golf. And I'm talking terrible. We're both shooting in the like just under 120s both of us you know we're exactly. both at about 112 strokes and the way i like to say about that is we get our money's worth exactly we're out there for a good time you get to drink a little bit too in the morning which is always a good time a little day drinking and that leads me into my number four it's a morning beer no i'm kidding not a morning beer that would be nuts i'd have to check into an aa meeting after that uh, my number four morning thing is going to be hitting the snooze button whether it's one time, two times, three times, or four, it doesn't matter. When you're in high school, you hit the snooze to be late for first period. When you're an adult, you hit the snooze to be stuck in traffic and use that as an excuse to be late for work. It doesn't matter. Everybody, I think, on the planet loves hitting the snooze. I think the biggest thing is that a lot of people just have the responsibility not to do it. Yeah, it's a hard thing to manage. I set my alarm a little bit early just so I can 
have the satisfaction of hitting the snooze a couple times and still being able to make it to work. See, I'm the kind of guy that if I hit the snooze once, I sleep until noon. I can't like if I hit, if 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 I don't wake up on the first alarm, I'm done. Uh, That's no, I'm why a, I like a, the snooze button. I'm a solid like give me two snoozes and I'm up. No, see I I'm, I I like your pick though. For whatever reason, if I hit that snooze button one time, I drift into a coma. So my number four is very similar to this, except brother, I'm not hitting the snooze button. I'm hitting the stop button. My number four is sleeping in. When you get that satisfaction, Ooh. especially when it's a day off you have from work or something, or even just the weekend, and you know you can sleep in. When you get that satisfaction of skipping your alarm. And you get to sleep to nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Hey, if it's a if it's a good night before, maybe eleven o'clock. That's one of the best feelings. You just get to lay in your bed. You're drifting in and out of consciousness. Those are usually I've never had a bad dream in that moment. It's only like pleasurable dreams. I think it's because the sunlight plays an effect. But my number four, sleeping in. That's just an amazing time. Man, sleeping in that. I take that for granted. I haven't done that in a while. I haven't been able to do that in a while. I have two kids. As you get older, it's one of life's like simple uh, gifts. One of the things I found as I've gotten older, and it may just be the fact that I have, like I said, two kids, and I just have like kind of that overarching fear in my entire life about something's going to happen to one of them. Um, I just wake up early. It's crazy. I don't. I don't sleep late. I want to sleep late. Even on my off days, you know, it's 6 or 7 a.m., and I'm happy about it. You know, it's, I like the pick of sleeping in. I just can't do it, unfortunately. What you got for number three? So my number three is going to be, I don't know how to put this the right way to not, like, it's caffeine. Is it coffee? Is it an energy drink? It's your your morning juice that gets you going, whatever it is. Even if it's a key bump, I don't care. Whatever gets you going in the morning, your morning start, whatever whatever it is. Smoke a bowl, wake and bake, do a bump, coffee, energy drink, whatever. To me, when you say that, I'm picturing somebody shotgunning a C4 energy drink. Yeah, look, whatever wakes you up in the morning, whatever, whatever gets you out of bed and gets you off to your day, my number three pick is, I guess we'll just label it as your caffeine. It's a good pick. I'm a big uh, coffee drinker. Occasionally, I get a Celsius in the morning. Man, Nothing caffeine scares better. the shit out of me. It does, but it's also so, so good. I used to, uh, back in the day, I would drink, you know, probably an eight-ounce Red Bull on the way to work. Then at lunch, I'd grab an eight-ounce Red Bull. Then on the way home, I'd grab a 12-ounce Red Bull because yeah, I was insane. tired. And now, so since then, this has been since probably November 21. I drink like two cups of coffee a day. That's what I'm talking about. Or yeah. one Celsius. So I don't do any caffeine now. And it, it's kind of crazy. If I try a Celsius or a cup of coffee, dude, the, the, no extra shots, just a base cup of coffee. I am jittery, and I am just ready to try to work problem is i can't focus that's why it only hits at number three for me what you got for number three so my number three is a little bit different than what i've been going with this is also one of life's simple pleasures it's a great breakfast food it's a staple i have waffles 
a good solid waffle, more like a stack of waffles. So you could with some good syrup. I mean, that's one of the. That's probably the best. Everybody's favorite breakfast food. You just can't eat it every day. It's not practical, but it's such a treat. It's so good, especially if you get some good syrup, some warm syrup. Put some butter. You can put fruit in them. You can put whipped cream on them. Yeah, you can chocolate. You can any tons of variation. Hey, look. There's also now. I'm about. I'm gonna say a positive thing about your pick, and then I'm gonna say a negative thing, but then I'm gonna round off with a very positive thing. Okay. Number one, positive thing. Waffle cones for ice cream and pizza are also a thing. Yes. Uh, number two. You should have gone with pancakes. No, oh, waffles wait. are better. Wait a minute. Hold. I'm sorry. Never mind. Let me scratch the whole negative thing. Because on the Shrek movie, the donkey actually said, because in the morning, I'm making waffles. I thought he said pancakes, but I just remembered no, it as I was the saying waffles it. hold the syrup. Right. So donkey was right. So Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Good for that. So no complaint, actually. I love the pick. My third thing is all I'm going to say about it. I don't really eat waffles that much. I don't either, but when you do eat them, they're fucking I'm pretty amazing. happy about it. There's yeah. nobody that's upset about waffles. No, yeah, I, I apologize for even thinking I had a negative. I realized halfway through my argument that he said, in the morning, I'm making waffles. and uh, You're forgiven? And what's your number two? My number two... It's not my favorite thing to do in the morning. Well, yeah, it's your second favorite. Right. But it's not a thing I'm also all the time good at. Once you get into a routine of it, it works a lot better. You know, once you start it, you get past the uh, the beginnings, it works better. But I'm talking about my number two being your workout or exercise. I agree wholeheartedly. Especially with how hot it's been this damn summer. We're talking going run before it's 100 degrees at 9 a.m. We're talking getting your push-ups in, getting your sit-ups in. If you're doing yoga... If you're taking your ice bath, do it all before It just starts the day your day starts. off so well. It motivates you. You, you. That's the best you'll ever feel when it's like 9 o'clock and you just had a hard workout or something in. Even if it's not a hard workout. Look, if, if you're you just, just getting started, yeah. just do something. You're going to feel... Do something at the beginning of your day. You're going to feel better. My number two is workout or exercise because... I don't exercise every day, but I do know when I do, I feel better when I do it in the morning. I feel more exhausted when I do it at night, number one. I feel better when I do it in the morning. And then I'm more kind of energetic and more active throughout the day, accomplishing those daily tasks. I'm more motivated to handle them. I love your number two. I, What's yours? I thought about picking it, but I didn't want to be that guy. But it works for you. I'm not I'm even that guy. I could use some self-improvement anyway. So My number two, it, we kind of hinted at it earlier. It goes a lot with hitting the snooze. It goes a lot with your hanging out. My number two is my bed. My nice. favorite thing in the morning, the place everybody wants to be. Is your bed? Not necessarily my bed, but oh, your specific bed. bed. Got it. 7 a.m., 8 a.m., just laying in the bed, nothing to do. You can put the TV on. You can scroll your phone. You can do none of that and just fall in and out of consciousness Laying in your bed is the best part of everybody's morning. It really is. Like, a lot of people, like, especially nowadays where, you know, social media is so prevalent everywhere. Waking up, checking the feed, 
you know, I, I don't do it. <clears throat> I don't do it every single day, but I know some days, especially after I posted a good, what I think is a good video. Oh, you got to go check the numbies. Man, I got to see if that thing popped off. Dude, I woke up after Saturday and we had 30, 40,000 views on a little Sean O'Malley clip we posted. I mean, it's a good feeling. Can you not say that doesn't start your day off great? Then you I seen mean, that screenshot a couple times to the people, make them feel, hey, you're part of this too. What better way to start off your day? Right. It's like when you send me a like tweet. It's like, oh, we got him. Let's oh, go. When you send me a DM saying, yeah, we'll talk to you. Right. I mean, it's a fulfillment that, that makes you feel like something has been accomplished. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you've done something. So, yeah, I love that pick. Just hanging out Just in, your, in bed, your bed. Your bed. That's, that's chilling. the pick. Chilling. What'd you have for your number one top five morning thing? I have weird off days. I'm, I'm not off on weekends. I work every weekend. Um, so my days kind of get jumbled. You know, today's a Tuesday, but for me, it's Saturday because I'm off today. Tomorrow for me is Sunday. But Monday is Friday, so I don't feel those things, you know, where I get the Monday blues. Yeah, so this is like your, yeah, this is your weekend right now. Right. So my number one top five morning things is when I wake up after not having to set my alarm all week and clicking the phone and seeing a Tuesday or Wednesday being on, on that home screen and realizing I'm off. Realizing that my feeling. phone's not going to ring today with anything other than telemarketers and spam calls. Realizing that my boss isn't going to say, hey, Alex, did you get that contract sent in? So your number one is your day off realizing i'm off realizing it that Waking is a good feeling and realizing that oh that responsibility today just doesn't really exist i don't have it as much as you but there is sometimes you wake up and you forget you just get in such a grind the grind right. of work and everything you wake up and you're like oh wait today's saturday exactly that's, that's such a good feeling i 100 percent agree that's a great feeling great pick my number one i mean honestly it kind of goes with yours except it's more specific it's saturday morning Saturday morning, as growing up as a kid, I know there's like songs about easy like Sunday morning and everything. As a kid, and even as an adult, whatever your Saturday is, it could be a, a Monday like it is for you, right? Or Tuesday, whatever. Your Saturday, the day where you wake up in the morning, and yeah, you don't have anything to do for that day, but you also have nothing to do for the next day. That is the number That's a one special morning. time. Special time. It doesn't last long. It goes very quick. You take it so for granted every time. And we're also coming up on the biggest season where those weekends, you know, not not the not the metaphorical weekends like I have, the Tuesday, Wednesdays, the real Saturday and Sundays, where those are going to be encapsulated for the next eight months by sports. You know, for for a lot of men across, a lot of people across the country. So those yeah, off days football, that you're sorry. talking about, the Saturdays and the Sundays, those are going to be disappearing even quicker than they are right now in the off season. Where yeah, but I'm not going to. No, can't it's, say it, it's, it's no complaint yeah. at all. I'm just saying is I would rather a Saturday with only football to watch than a Saturday with nothing to watch. But that's what I'm saying. It makes it even better. Yes, yeah, so you know, Saturday it makes it even morning, more valuable. As I love a college pick. football too, and that Saturday morning is a great feeling. You just see the whole 
there's literally like 50 games on right at any any given sports channel you can see a highlight a clip or a live game just and happening man, i'm a big lsu fan and just waiting for that game the anticipation yeah lsu it's being a, a big great... school i guess they get a lot of night games is that right uh, being a big school and just because that's their thing is the night game because there's big schools that get day games. Or I guess I guess not. I don't want to say night game. It's more primetime games, right? Yeah, but there's big schools that primetime in college football is also like two thirty on Saturday. Oh, like okay, traditionally. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah, that's my number one. That's our top five. Uh, let us know what you think, and then stay tuned next week when we're gonna have another special theme top five. All right. To so jump in a little housekeeping. I don't know how FanDuel bets work or how bets work long-term, but Myra Buena Silva was in the news recently. She failed a drug test in connection with the fight to Holly Holm. Did you see about that? I did see. She actually came out before the news broke to get out in front of the news, but I don't think it really helps that much. Right. So now I'll, I'll say this isn't the first time a UFC fighter was under speculation due to ADHD medication like Adderall. Yeah, she's, she made it sound like it was because of her Adderall. Right, That's well, that's what I'm saying. That's not the first time a fighter was actually um, failed a drug test because it tests, po- it tests positive like an amphetamine. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty... I want to say if you have a prescription... I may be wrong, totally wrong, but I want to say if you have a prescription, you can take it. But it's technically a banned substance after looking it up today. I mean, it is a performance enhancer. Right, so um, she's fighting it. You know, she has a prescription for it. But she still faces a possible suspension. But, I mean, if you know it's against the rules, that's on you. Right. You're a fighter. I mean, you, you know what you're doing. It's kind of like Josh Gordon smoking weed. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's not that bad, but, like, come on, bro. Right. Um, now, my question. I know this is long ago, but I put money on Holly Holm to win the fight. You know, does this get, if it gets overturned, do I get my money? No. Nah. Well, you might get the refund. You're not going to get the win. Or is it statute of limitations? I mean, I want something. Just saying. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, that's crazy. It's disappointing to see because she was uh, like kind of sniffing at a title fight and definitely not anymore. Even Juliana Pena came out and said something about it. Now, with this, it I don't think it completely snuffs out her title fight possibilities. But she's it a, does at least just a few put fights a stain. Away on like the current trajectory she was on so she just may have like it a, delays it at the very least. a six month window right at least a six month window to where she you know may lose a title fight because the title may change hands at that point you never know so did you see this have you been keeping up with the dylan danis uh logan paul banter back and forth dude i got on his instagram the other day and i was floored with the shit that was on there it was just all about logan paul is that is that his fiance or his wife i think it's fiance right now i may be wrong it's at least fiance at the very least right more than uh, girlfriend less than wife she's Let's a, go with that a model she's been famous for a while she's dated a few guys a few is an understatement few from what is I've an seen. understatement but jesus some of them are just actual pictures with her with dudes it's not necessarily but there are some that are but there were questionable of her saying things that were just unsanitary yeah, it is a brutal move. It is the fight game, though, that Dylan Danis is doing. I respect it. Uh, they had a press conference today, and he had a killer line about, I don't want to say it, I don't want to get canceled, but his wife being promiscuous, his girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, Y'all looked that up. threw things at each other. They yeah, Logan couldn't. Paul threw a cake at him, right? A cake of Dylan Danis at Dylan Danis. 
They couldn't Inception. have a face-off because something was happening. So then randomly Mike Perry came in, and he was the backup fighter, and he did a face-off with Logan Paul. It almost makes me think the whole thing, they're never going to fight, and they both knew it. But I always had an assumption that boxing was a sham. And a lot like of boxing rigged. is. It just, I don't know. I wouldn't like, say high-level boxing, but like this could very possibly be it, That just, it's all Logan Paul is a scam artist. Crypto scam artist, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, but yeah, it was crazy. It's in the news. It sucks that that's fight news now, but it is. Right. Uh, but yeah. So a couple more questions, or I guess a few more questions. Uh, you know, Dana White, after the uh, UFC 292 fight, he came out and he was saying, look, Chris Weidman, I love you, but please retire. Chris Weidman, of course, said, no, I'm coming back better than ever. What do you think? Should he retire? Is Can he come back? You know, what's going on? He lasted through the whole fight. So first I'll say as a fighter or any competitor, you can't say they should or shouldn't retire. That's totally up to them. It's how they're feeling and everything. I agree to that. Uh, we, we don't know how he feels. Yeah, but I also side with Dana White where it sucks to see a guy that was once a great fighter, one of the best in the UFC. He knocked out Anderson Silva. And he's clearly not himself anymore. So it sucks to see that. He's lost, like, I think seven out of nine. So, I mean, it's been a while, even before the leg break. And then plus a leg break. I understand what he's trying to do. He's probably just waiting for one win to retire. Uh, tough to see. I'm not going to say he should retire because I agree. I would like to see him get another win. But I totally understand the people that are looking out for him saying they want him to retire. Nice. All right. Next question. Who should be the next title contender versus Sean O'Malley? Cheeto Vera, who he called out, or the higher-ranked Henry Cejudo? So I'm going to pick somebody different. I'm going to pick the guy who should be the next title contender. It wasn't the question. I'm kidding. Go. But he did just have a surgery, but in about six months he'll be ready. December, you're thinking Sanhagen? It's not going to be December for Sanhagen. He'll probably be like February, March. Okay. But Sanhagen should be the next title fight. He definitely should. He he holds... He dominated Cheeto. ...the most weight. But in the same token, if he's taking till February, March, just you know, hear it out like this. If he's taking until February or March, O'Malley can fight Yeah, O'Malley's December. 100% fighting in December. I think he's has his mindset. He's been talking about it since he won. Right. So I agree. And he was talking about it before he won, even. It probably won't be Sanhagen. But he I, could still, if he defends the title well, he could still fight Sanhagen in March, April. But I think the with, obvious and fight give to make... And Sanhagen a full, a full camp. The obvious fight to make is Marlon Chito Vera. They have history. His only loss. He can claim, and he might be right, but he can claim it was like a fluke injury. He got knocked out because of that. It'll definitely uh, be like that in the press. It'll be like least. that in the press. They have build-up. They don't like each other. They're both pretty marketable. They both have pretty uh, big fan bases. They both... Both worldwide fan bases, too. Both worldwide. They both talk shit. They're both strikers. It'll be a great matchup. Um, I just don't... I don't think Henry Cejudo deserves it. He retired, waited all that time, and then lost to Aljo why would he get another title shot after that he came in an immediate title shot after a long layoff I don't think it's Henry Cejudo I think Cheeto's the right fight to make both 
octagon wise like who deserves it more and like pay-per-view money wise pay-per-view money wise yeah i think cheeto's the fight to make cheeto sugar sean my tandem question to that was going to be why but i didn't even have to ask it so thank you um and then lastly do you think with dustin poirier you know still in the limelight brendan allen surfacing you got kurt hollaball who just won the ultimate season ultimate fighter season 31 do you think we're going to get another ufc new orleans i think it's very possible especially uh maybe like a couple fights for dustin like a retirement fight they give him one in new orleans i mean without the doubt it would sell out it's a place they have big events all the time super bowls final four so like easy place to travel good place for to like bring fans to i think it's definitely possible there's more and more louisiana guys popping up uh seems like all the time started with i don't want to say started with dc but he getting a belt puts it on the map yeah he kind of paved the way for the the popular ufc fighter from louisiana yeah uh i don't see why it wouldn't but you just never know but i think there definitely should be one in new orleans at the very least a dustin poirier retirement fight in a few years thanks for listening to episode 10 of split decision check us out next week where we recap UFC Singapore and take a look at UFC Paris. Pringles, the shape, is actually called a hyperbolic paraboloid. Like and subscribe to this episode of Split Decision and check us out at splitdecision.blog where you'll find our most recent posts, videos, and all the links to our socials.